Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Consider becoming a Texas Football Insider, our subscription package at TexasFootball.com slash insider. Besides helping to make shows like this possible, you'll also get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts, our archives. We've got all 60 years of the magazine digitized, recruiting analysis, and must-see insights from the Dave Campbell's Texas football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider at texasfootball.com slash insider. That's texasfootball.com slash insider. And thanks for listening. The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk, built by nature. Make sure you catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on TexasFootball.com and on Facebook. And if you like the show, subscribe on the podcast vendor of your choice. Give us a positive rating and tell a friend. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas football panic room in an undisclosed location, <laughs> it is Texas Football Today, a show that, yeah, still doing it. We're still on My the internet. Tepper. <laughs> My name is Greg Tepper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football a Magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com or on Facebook, or you listen to us in the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. Aired remotely. I am sitting here in my um, shanty, <laughs> sitting over there in her just palace is the Duchess of the Dorks. It's Ashley Pickle. How do you? How's it going? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm Good. staying busy. Um, do we have first four through the door? We sure do. It was Ed McElroy, Chris Pena, Meese, and Rob Hadaway. Welcome in, guys. Okay. Hi, guys. Uh, today is Tuesday, March 17th, 2020, 254 days until Thanksgiving. Episode oh, 922. Yeah, St. Patrick's Not- Day. Today that is, in fact, St. Patrick's Day. Radar. It did. Uh, it is, in fact, St. Patrick's Day. Hank is wearing green. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I've got a little green on my, like, zipper right there. Uh, episode 922, 922, that was Rafael Palmero's OPS in 1991, um, for the Texas Rangers. On today's show, have a very, very special guest. So, because we can do this kind of video conferencing thing, and because I know that everybody's at home, my thought is like, well, why Here's don't we time. just get guests on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, wh- like, why would you want to listen to me yammer on about football when we can get actual experts on to yammer on about football? And so we got one of the preeminent college football experts in America, uh, our good friend Bill Connolly of ESPN, uh, formerly of SB Nation, joined us a little bit earlier today, had a great conversation uh, with him. Um, we're going to have that for you coming up in just a moment. Uh, a couple of things. One, let us know in the comments right now, what are your go-to binge watches right now? Can be anywhere, any platform, 
Um, let us know what they are. We're going to add, when we get the final thoughts, we'll read a fair number of them uh, and and let you know which ones. Uh, you know, I've got a couple. Pickles thinking of a couple, um, but we'll we'll share those in final thoughts at the end of the program. Uh, let us know about that. But please consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com/insider. Um, if if we'll if you like this you. show. Yeah, we'll mail a magazine to you. Uh, and if you like this show and want to help make this show possible, uh, becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider is the best way to support the show, plain and simple. Um, and so, uh, Texas Football Accomplished Insider. Uh, and is that it? Do I have anything else? I think that just about covers it all. Okay, great. Uh, we had well, a great then. conversation with Bill Connolly, Bill Connolly of ESPN, um, the proprietor of the SP Plus analytics system. We talked a lot of college football in the state of Texas. Our good friend, Bill Connolly. Here's our conversation with ESPN's Bill Connolly here on Texas Football Today. Everyone is stuck at home. And as a result, that means that we know we can book whoever we want. And that is how we are joined by uh, the, the stats guru himself from ESPN. We're joined by our good friend, Bill Connolly. Uh, hold up in uh, Columbia, Missouri, is that right? That is correct, always. Yeah, I guess that's, that's kind of true, that nothing's really changed for you. How, first and foremost, how are you holding up? I mean, it, we're in the middle of the country, right? We, it hasn't really, it hasn't closed in on us just yet. So we're still, we're still okay here. We, we are natural practitioners of social distancing. So really it's going about as well as you could expect, although there are some electricians in our house right now, so I shouldn't really say too much. Ooh, okay, fingers crossed. Um, you know, I, uh, I know that you're a guy who, who, who takes a lot of um, solace in data. You're a, you're a, a cold and calculating man who, who likes to, uh, to look to numbers for, for help. But I'm gonna ask you a narrative question which is a dangerous okay. beautiful my question is with this whole lockdown with this whole whatever's going on this quarantine whatever you want to call it have you yet been able to wrap your mind around how if at all this is going to affect college football in the fall i i do you can proof that there are electricians upstairs you can hear them in the background here um I, no, no, not at all, because we don't know how long this will last. We all basically have decided, well, two months sounds good. We'll just, you know, just shove everything two months and then we'll resume as uh, as everything was before. But we have no idea uh, when the crest will be here. We have no idea if this is something we're still going to be recovering from in July, August, September, October. Um, I, you know, I, I would put the odds of, of them completing a season at, at over 50% for sure in the uh, football season, that is. But we have no idea how this is going to affect the rest of the off season. We have no idea if that's going to impinge on them starting at a normal time. It really is. There's no, there are no priors here. Like, I, as a data person, I love the word priors. Use it as much as possible. We, you got to go to like 1918 to find anything like this. And, and circumstances were a wee bit different in 1918. Yeah, I think the offenses maybe were a bit different as well. Um, so I want to look back a little bit on the 2019 season uh, because there are a couple of teams that you were particularly, especially here in the state of Texas, that you were really spot on about. And one of them, you were pretty consistently from the beginning uh, kind of selling Texas's stock. Uh, there was a lot of hype around them. Some dummies put them on a magazine cover. 
Um, there was a lot of, you know, uh, hype ar around Texas. Uh, can you give people a little bit of insight into maybe what what you saw about them going into 2019 and maybe what you're seeing going into 2020? Well, there are a couple of different things. First, um, they just weren't. It's, it's all over me. Um, at first, there just weren't that many great games that they played in 2018. They obviously they won a ton of close games and that's good. That's good. Uh, you know, it's better to win them than lose them, but it's not really a sustainable thing over a long period of time. The fact that one of Tom Herman's Houston teams did it too, had a big long run of close wins and ended up with a really nice record, played well as underdogs and pulled a big upset at the end of the year. Um, we, we linked those things together. You know, he'd only been a head coach, what, four years at that point and he's done it twice. So it must be, you know, that's a trend right there. And, um, from a stat standpoint, the things that they were relying on, getting every third, converting every single third and three with a run up the middle and getting just the right stops, but while really not stopping opponents all that much, um, that is just, those aren't things that are sustainable over a long period of time. So they had that going against them first, that they weren't as good on paper in 2018 as they were, as it seemed like they might be. And then heading into 2019, um, they were starting over in the secondary, especially the secondary defense as a whole. But uh, what I've found over time is that continuity in the secondary has a very direct impact on your numbers, especially on my uh, defensive SP plus ratings. So they were worse than they were worse than you would really think in 2018. And then they were getting hit about as hard as anybody in the country defensively uh, by attrition and turnover. And that's just a horrible combination. And so what's funny is the way things actually played out in 2019. Uh, Texas was better offensively. They, they took a definitive step forward offensively, uh, not having to rely quite as much on Sam Ellinger's legs. They got a smidge more out of the run game. They had, you know, Duvernay lived up to all of his hype all at once. Uh, they had uh, efficiency options. They had, uh, you know, in they had at least a couple of big play options in the receiving core. Um, they had a very good offense, much better than projected. The problem was that their defense was even worse than projected, but both because of those fundamentals and, of course, the fact that every, you know, this already thin secondary got everybody hurt at one point or another. So um, it, it wasn't, it didn't play out quite like the numbers said. The offense was a little better, the defense was a little worse, but it was the right concept, I think. Um, it's Bill Conley of ESPN joining us here on Texas Football Today. Get involved in the conversation at hashtag TF Today. Um, let's talk about the, um, I guess we can still call him Texas's rival, uh, A&M. Um, oh, everything that I'm hearing already, the hype train is rolling for A&M going into 2020. Uh, a lot of it, I think, has to do with they're one of about, I think, one teams in the SEC that has a quarterback back uh, yeah. and uh, a third year under Jimbo Fisher. There's a lot of – and the schedule lightens up. A lot of kind of narrative reasons why A&M should have a, a, a really breakout year in 2020. Uh, you know, it's still early, but are you buying the Aggies going into 2020? Well, it kind of depends on where we're setting the bar. Like just conceptually, yes. I mean, just the simple fact that they're not going to have a top five strength of schedule this year, at least probably not, just offers them more win opportunities. They were eight and five, but uh, they played, I, I have my numbers right up here on a screen behind the screen, if you see me looking up. They played the numbers two, three, four, five, and nine teams in my SP Plus rankings. They predictably went 0 and 5 in those games. They were competitive a couple of times. I really kind of expected them to bite one of those teams. I expected them to be that good. But 
but you know they lost a couple close games, got blown out a couple times. Uh, but if you do the math real quick, that means against everybody that was outside of the top ten, they were undefeated. Um, they only lost to really, really, really good teams. And most of the time against the lesser teams on the schedule, they dominated. They probably should have beaten Ole Miss by a little more, but they dominated South Carolina. They dominated Mississippi State and all that. So, yeah, I mean, at that point, it, you know, you do have a quarterback back. I, I expected a little more from Kellen Mond than I got last year. I was a little hopeful. Uh, for ESPN, I actually had a piece back in August about um, the most important players in the country, the guys who would decide the national title race. Um, I had I had uh, Joe Burrow second. I almost put him first, but I decided to go with Kellen Mond instead, and it kind of ruined the whole list. I could have just absolutely crushed one of my first ESPN pieces <laughs> by making Joe Burrow the most important guy in the country, uh, but I only had him second. So Mond owes me now. Uh, so maybe that means he, he will pull a couple of upsets this year, and if he does, there aren't as many upset opportunities, first of all. They have a much lighter schedule, and they should, uh, even if they're only a little bit better, um, they should have a solid shot at double-digit wins here. Uh, the best team in the state last year, pretty un, undoubtedly, was Baylor. Uh, obviously, a run to the, the Sugar Bowl. I think uh, uh, even even the most optimistic of Bear fans were were a little bit surprised with how in 2019. Now, obviously, a lot of change for them. Uh, not just at the top uh, with Dave Aranda coming in and taking over, uh, but they lose a fair amount of that defense. Um, it, it seems to be the, 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 the wisdom out there is we just don't know if it's going to be a big drop off or, or a small drop off from Baylor. Yeah. Do you have a feel yet on, on, on the Bears? Well, they were uh, a little on the fortunate side, not, not Texas level 2018, but they were 18th in my rankings. Um, mm. You know, not necessarily top five or 10 or anything like that. They did. I mean, they showed well against OU twice, obviously. So, I mean, they, they certainly they, they were not a dramatically bad team, but they were very defense driven. They had a top 20 defense. Um, and, and like you said, they, they're kind of getting the Texas thing here where what four of their top five or five of their top six tacklers in the secondary are gone. Most of the front seven is gone too. That's a big ask, and and so you're in a situation. You've got a defensive coach who made a, a, admittedly a very good offensive coordinator hire. The offense itself is relatively experienced. They lose a couple of pieces, Hasty, uh, Mims, but uh, they do have their quarterback back. They do have most of the other the top receivers back, and that offense is going to have to carry some weight because the defense has pretty much no choice but to regress, both because of the coaching change in general. It's just a hard thing to when, when you're playing at a really high level, it's hard to make a big change and maintain that level. But now you're going to be doing it with last year's second stringers, and that's probably a bad combination. Okay, so now uh, I want to move to another team that I think was a bit of a surprise, probably even more of a surprise than Baylor. I think you could have squinted and seen something good coming from Baylor, but SMU uh, <laughs> um, kind of out of nowhere. Uh, look, obviously, the you know there, there, there's great stories abound, the kind of renaissance of Shane Bouchelle and, and all of these things. But yeah. uh, it, I guess my question is, is what SMU is building, because they did it in such a way that it was a lot of, uh, JUCO transfers is a lot of a lot of transfers basically. Um, mm -hmm. Is that sustainable there on the hilltop? Well, now he has to, to to switch gears. I mean, how you build, I don't think really matters. How you get that first good team or that good set of uh, players uh, that pushes you upward, I think that doesn't. 
it doesn't necessarily matter how you do that. It's just if, if he wants to continue relying on just loads and loads of transfers. Um, granted, if they don't have to sit out anymore, then maybe that becomes a little bit easier. But that just offer every time you recruit a new kid, it's an opportunity to miss, right? It's an opportunity uh, to have to have your have the replacement uh, be not quite as good as his predecessor, and so. When you recruit JUCOs, when you recruit, if you lean on grad transfers or other transfers, you don't get them the full four or five years. Uh, that just means you're going to have to replace them sooner and you're going to have to find the next guy who can maintain that level. And it's just it's really hard on your talent ev evaluation system. It doesn't give guys a full chance to develop. It's just it's it's hard. Like Bill Snyder pulled it off for a number of years, even though he never quite recruited as many JUCOs as, as we kind of as his reputation suggested, he, he still managed to recruit a lot, a lot of JUCOs and then find the next guy who was just as good. We'll see if Sonny Dykes can pull that off. It's really hard. And so moving forward now, if, if these upperclassmen can kind of build a bridge this next year, they return a lot of them this year. So it's not like it was all grad transfers or, or, or final year grad transfers doing it. If, if some of the some redshirt freshmen and some sophomores can kind of break through on the two deep this year, maybe when this big load of seniors leaves next year, you, you've got a decent base to build on from there. So I I don't. Yeah, the, the, the way it came about probably isn't sustainable, but that doesn't mean he can't keep winning as long as now the, the, the more long term players take over. From one AAC team to the other in the state of Texas, let's talk about maybe the most interesting team in the state the most interesting program in the state um hey what do you make of what what in the heck happened at houston in 2019 and, and i guess how it projects forward in 2020 i mean it's fascinating i i love thought experiments right like if you could just take a team and like hey let's try to tank in college football what would that look like exactly um and so i love that somebody tried it it and honestly they didn't get worse. Um, I think that was a very good sign. Like he voluntarily sat his best player, maybe his best two players last year, and it didn't really cost them because they were already underachieving, granted. And that, that that set a pretty low bar, but they still, I, I you know, they got more underclassmen involved. They played at a reasonable level, not reasonable moving forward, but reasonable considering the circumstances. And now you look and they've got, you know, obviously Derek King didn't stay. Uh, that was something we were all very curious about, but I, I think Corbin did, or at least he has so far. Uh, that means they get most of the receiving core back. They get most of their skill core in general back, a good portion of their line. The, the new returning starting quarterback, now that King's out the last eight games, he's back. The defense is, is very experienced, and that, that's a, that was a major factor last year. They just did not – it was mostly mm -hmm. sophomores and a few juniors on that defense, and now they're all back too. So, in theory um, – I, I don't know what it means as far as setting a precedent exactly, but if they have a little bit more depth, they got a, little, a few more guys involved last year, just accepted that they were going to lose. And now moving forward, they've got incredible experience and he can recruit pretty well. And they've got the next quarterback lined up after this one and everything else. It, it, it could be, a, you know, a, a very, very interesting thing, a very interesting precedent just from a year zero standpoint. Like if you can't win big in your first year, just lose big and sit all your guys and then have a giant senior class the next year to push it forward. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious if he wins enough for other people to follow that lead. And finally, uh, one more question for Bill Conley of ESPN. Um, let's talk about Conference USA. Uh, there are mm -hmm. four teams here in the state of Texas in Conference USA. Um, 
most of whom comprise the bottom 10 of your <laughs> SP plus rankings. Um, yeah. Let's let's put, I guess for a second, put North Texas aside. They, they seem like, I guess, the most consistent, even though last year was obviously disappointing for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, of UTSA, Rice, and UTEP, which one would you buy stock in right now? If you were to buy a stock in, in a non-North Texas CUSA team, which one would you buy stock in? Mm-hmm. If we're talking about 2020 specifically, I would say Rice, um, just because I think Mike Bloomberg I, I still we still don't really know if he's got enough talent to do what he wants to do, but he's got a plan, right? He's got he knows how he wants to try to win games, and then they had a little, you know, three games is is not much of a sample size, but they certainly uh, they they were a little competitive here and there, and then they win their last three games. They look, I would say, definitively good in at least two of them. Um, so maybe that. You know, maybe that pushes forward. You'd like a little more continuity on offense, um, in in terms of you know the, the reasons for that late surge. You'd like a few more of those guys returning in 2020. But you know, I I would say that they have the best, the most well developed identity at the moment, and um, I would say they're probably the furthest along. UTEP has kind of a similar hope in their identity, but they just. Obviously, you know, talent's going to be even harder to attain there. And, and I think they've got, you know, obviously a few more hurdles to clear. UTSA is always going to be an interesting program, though, in terms of upside, right? I mean, that's that's the whole thing. They've got they got into Conference USA because of upside. They haven't had uh, two, just a, a tremendous amount of success, but they're in the almost perfect position to draw talent. Um, they're going to give it a second go with a guy who coached uh, at the high school level and, and recruits really well. And we don't know if he can actually coach very well, but he can do these other things. Um, they're going to give it another go with trailer, uh, kind of a Frank Wilson type in that regard. And we'll see, like, I'm not going to put any expectations whatsoever on them right now, because I don't know for sure what they have. And I don't really know if he can coach yet. So uh, you know, you consider those things, and it, it kind of seems like Rice is the pretty clear answer. He's Bill Connolly on Twitter at ESPN underscore. Um, Bill, appreciate your time. I know you're a captive audience. Um, uh, please go wash your hands, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk soon. I'm sure. Wash them so much they're getting dry. They're awful. I hope everybody has dry hands right now. <laughs> There he is, Bill Connolly, our good friend from ESPN, uh, joining us here on Texas Football Today, talking a little college football. Nice respite. I think everybody needs that. Everybody needs like a little bit of nonsense in their life. And and Bill, although Bill knows what he's talking about, so I don't know if nonsense is necessarily the, <laughs> the right word. But yeah. in any case, um, <clears throat> we appreciate Bill for taking a little bit of time. Exactly. Talking a little bit of college football. Um, and, uh, and yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting that the, one of the reasons I want to talk to him was he was a guy who, as the Texas hype train was really picking up steam last year, he was the one who kind of said, mm, no, man, like there's, the there's some underlying bit. issues here that, that I don't really like, uh, you know, most notably the secondary and, uh, you know, sure enough, he ended up being right. pretty spot on. Um, so it, it's, he's a, he's a guy that whose, whose football opinion I value very much. And so I appreciate Bill. We appreciate Bill taking a little bit of his time away from, uh, I guess the electrical work going on upstairs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks Bill. To, uh, to, to, yeah. No, fine. yeah it, it happens. We're, we're all flying by the seat of our pants. We're doing the best we can guys. Um, and now we go to Ashley pickle for America's second favorite segment. 
a very special edition of Final Thoughts. Yes, so we obviously asked the question on what is the best binge-watching uh, shows that mm -hmm. you could do, and we've got some, we got a quite a lot of feedback. So Tony Blaylock said Criminal Minds. He said his, it'll take up a long time. Um, okay. Ed said two binge-watching ideas, Justified and in a very different direction, Gilmore Girls. You ever watch Gilmore Girls? No, but that is a Tep Wife special. There you go. That is a Tep Wife is very much into Gilmore Girls, or was at one point. Love it. Uh, Rob Hadaway said Breaking Bad, um, but Vikings. That's an easy choice. That's yeah. an, uh, Breaking well, Bad. If you've you never Bad, seen then it, you have Better Call Saul after that. Correct. And I am currently working through uh, Better Call Saul, so there's that. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Go ahead. Oh, I was. I thought you were giving an opinion. Nope, I got nothing. Um, Daniel Agnew said, I won't be able to binge watch, but a good binge watch is the first season of True Detective and Westworld. Mm -hmm. I've heard that. I, I watched first season of True Detective and I liked it a lot. Um, I've not seen Westworld, but that's come recommended to me. Um, ones that I would recommend uh, from a couple of different places. Um, if you are into, if you're on um netflix um there's a few different ones that i would recommend um i really enjoyed Broadchurch. Broadchurch is a brit crime drama very good um it's got um oh geez uh the girl uh the the i say the girl the woman who just won uh, best actress for uh the favorite a couple of years ago um it's got her and david tennant in it um, you were it's telling very me about good. that one Takes on place the way down to College Station. Ireland? Yeah. Very good. Um, of course, I will cape for Bojack Horseman. <laughs> this is the perfect time to start Bojack Horseman. No surprise there. Um, and, and then, uh, here's a little off-the-wall one, okay? It's a little weird, but there is a web series. It's all on YouTube. It's by Adult Swim, which is the kind of more... Uh, the the, the grown-up version of Cartoon Network. Yeah. But it is not a cartoon. It is... Uh, it's by Tim Heidecker of Tim and Eric. Mm -hmm. uh, and he does... It's with his partner, Greg Turkington. It's called On Cinema at the Cinema. <laughs> and what it is, is it's a web series of these 10-minute episodes. And they've gone for like nine seasons. And it is fundamentally... Like at its core, the world's worst movie review show. <laughs> but there is a really like super compelling like through line storyline that's like lying underneath everything mm -hmm. that is like super weird and amazing. <laughs> and you can get sucked in real quick. It's called On Cinema at the Cinema. And then like if you want to go in the whole On Cinema universe, they've got like the Emmys or they have Oscar specials that were live. Uh, they have... There is a there is a time spoiler alert. There's a time where where Tim goes to trial. Oh no! Uh, there's a movie attached to it that's called <laughs> Mr. America. That's excellent. Um, it is it's a wild ride. Uh, and if you really like, you don't probably don't have to start at the beginning, but start near the beginning and then just work through. If you're looking for a time kill, man, on cinema at the cinema is wild. 
I really like that. It, it can be a little weird, but it's it's really funny. Nice. What um, about you, Pickle? If, if I had to get some suggestions, so two shows that this these are going to be pretty obvious, but like ones that you can turn on and not have to like super pay attention to. The obviously, office. The Office. And then uh, for me, the other one is New Girl. Those are both, I consider those in like the same category um, where you can kind of start any episode that you want and figure out the storyline. Um, some ones that you would probably have to pay more attention to, Bloodline on Netflix is really, really good. Um, and Ozark. I like Bloodline a lot, but one thing about both of those shows, mm-hmm. about both Bloodline and Ozark, is I cannot watch more than one at a time. Because it's too tense. That's fair. It's like See, too I like I need day. like a I need like a palate <laughs> cleanser. Yeah. Like, uh, Riverdale you know. is another one. I doubt mm-hmm. you've seen Riverdale, but it's really good. Isn't that based on the Archie comics? Mm-hmm. It's actually really, really good. Okay. okay. Yeah. So there you go. Cool. There's some suggestions. Um, uh, a lot there of people are saying some Dexter too. You know, I watched Dexter. And I watched – there is a point, and I, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but there is a point where it very – I wish somebody would have told me, stop right there. And I don't want to say there is a key event that happens in the show, and I won't spoil it. Um, but I wish that they had said, stop right there, because after that, it falls off a cliff. That's exactly how and I felt it's, about it's, Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder. We talked about that mm-hmm. before, too. Those are fantastic shows for the first part. You get about in the fifth or sixth season, and it's like, you should have ended it after four, you know? Well, it's kind of like it's kind of like The Office after Michael leaves. Yeah, that's very true. Like, and that's really, you know, you can make a real argument. I know that um, Pucci, our former pr- uh, producer, was he's a big Office fan, and he was a believer that, that the show should have ended at, uh, at uh, Pam and Jim's wedding. Yes. Yeah, I can agree um, with that. Which, you know, there's, I think there are some really good episodes after that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, but the storyline I'm, I'm as necessarily... a whole, yeah, kind of dies yes. off a little bit. I agree. Um, okay. So there you go. There's some binge watching suggestions. Uh, so that's what it was Bill Connolly and binge watching. It's a good episode. It's a good, meaty episode. <laughs> You're all there welcome. You there you go all right that's gonna do it for us thank you for spending a little bit of your day with us follow us on twitter at dctf like us on facebook facebook.com slash dave campbells follow us on instagram instagram.com slash dave campbells and of course see us at texasball.com thanks again to bill Connolly of espn for being our, our guest follow him on twitter at espn bill c uh for ashley pickle i'm greg pepper vince young please come get your player of the year trophy we will see you tomorrow on texas football today